This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. This is Brother David Kahns of United Lodge No. 8, Brunswick, Maine, presenting to you Volume 72, Number 11, November 1994, a response to critics of Freemasonry, prepared by the Masonic Information Center. From Northern Ireland to Iran, from the Middle East to the United States, religious extremism is a growing force throughout the world. Jarred by the rapid pace of social and cultural change, especially the apparent disintegration of moral values and the breakup of the family, some people within this movement have sought refuge from the complexity of modern life by embracing absolute values and rejecting tolerance of other beliefs. Simple, easy, seemingly stable answers bring comfort in a rapidly changing world. For example, some churches have responded to the personal anguish of their members by circling the wagons, that is, by strictly defining theological concepts and insisting their members purify their fellowship by renouncing any other beliefs. The next step, already taken by various churches, is to yield degrees of control within their ranks to vocal factions espousing extremist views. These splinter groups focus the congregation's general anxieties on specific targets, the preferred cure-all is to destroy the supposed enemy. Freemasonry has become one of these targets precisely because it encourages members to form their own opinion on many important topics, including religion. Thus, some churches have expressed concerns, even condemnations of Freemasonry. Generally, these actions are based on misunderstandings. A case in point is the June 1993 report to the Southern Baptist Convention by the Convention's Home Mission Board. This report defined eight alleged conflicts between the tenets and teachings of the Masonic Fraternity and Southern Baptist theology. Let's briefly look at those areas as representative of the thinking of some well-meaning but misinformed church members today and see if the concerns are real or simply a matter of misinformation or misunderstanding. Most of the issues really deal with language in one way or another. Almost every organization has a special vocabulary of words which are understood by the group. It's hardly appropriate for someone outside a group, and within the special knowledge of the group, to object to the terms unless he or she fully understands them and why they are used. If someone wants to read the Journal of the American Medical Association, for example, that is his right, but he doesn't have a right to complain the articles use medical terms. A person reading a cookbook had better know terms like fold, cream the butter, or soft boil have special meanings, or he'll make a mess instead of a cake. The same is true of a non-Mason reading Masonic materials. As to the critique of the Freemasonry by the Southern Baptist Convention, which, incidentally, had several positive things to say about Freemasonry, here is a brief explanatory discussion of each point. 1. Because they do not see specific words in their historic context, some critics complain of the prevalent use in masonry of offensive titles and terms such as worshipful master for the leader of a lodge. The leader of a masonic lodge is called the master of the lodge for the same reason the head of a boy scout troop is called the scout master. An orchestra's leader is termed the concert master 
or a highly skilled electrician is called a master electrician. The term arose in the guilds of the Middle Ages when the most skillful workman was called the master. Such Masonic vocabulary dates from that period. Worshipful and worshipful master has nothing to do with the worship in any religious sense. Masonically, worshipful is a term of honor, and in this sense, it is a term still used in England and Canada today to refer to such officials as mayors of cities. Worshipful John Doe means exactly the same thing as the Honorable John Doe. In the same vein, the Mayor of London is addressed as the Worshipful Lord Mayor. Certainly there is nothing irreligious here in the use of Worshipful or Lord. Such terms are a matter of history and tradition, not religion. Number two, some critics of Freemasonry object to what they term archaic and offensive rituals or so-called bloody oaths in Masonry. There is nothing offensive in the rituals to anyone who understands them. They are ancient, not archaic. Since many of them are so old, their origins are lost in history. But there is nothing bad in that. The Declaration of Independence is about the same age as the Master Mason degree, but few complain it is archaic. The alleged bloody oaths refer to the penalties associated with the Masonic obligations. They originated in the medieval legal system of England and were actual punishments inflicted by the state on persons convicted of opposing political or religious tyranny. Masonry's obligations do not contain any promise ever to inflict any of the penalties or to participate in the execution of them. In Masonry, they are entirely symbolic and refer exclusively to the shame a good man should feel at the thought he had broken a promise. Number three, certain critics claim the recommended readings for the degrees of Masonry are pagan in origin. Pagan, as they are using the term, simply means pre-Christian. The major purpose of Masonry is the study of man's intellectual and moral history for the purpose of developing ourselves morally and intellectually. Such a study has to start with the concepts of man and God as held by early cultures and evidenced in their mythologies. The Greeks and Romans, as well as earlier peoples, had much of importance to say on many topics, including religion. The idea that a physician must act in the best interests of his patients comes from pagan Hippocrates. And the concept that the government cannot break into your house and take what it wants on a whim comes from the pagan Aristotle. None of us want to live in a world without these ideas. In almost every field law, government, music, philosophy, mathematics, etc., it is necessary to review the work of early writers and thinkers. Masonry is no exception. But to study the work of ancient cultures is not the same thing as to do what they did or believe what they believed. And no Mason is ever told what he should believe in matters of faith. That is not the task of a fraternity, nor a public library, nor the government. That is the duty of a person's revealed religion and is appropriately expressed through his or her church. 4. Ironically, some people complain about the Bible use in Lodge being referred to as the furniture of the Lodge. No disrespect is intended. Indeed, just the opposite is true. Masons use the word furniture in its original meaning of essential equipment. Since no Lodge can meet without an open volume of the sacred law, which in North America is almost always the Bible, the Bible is essential and given a special place of honor as the furniture for every regular Lodge. 5. 
The Masonic use of the term light is often misunderstood by non-Masons. This confusion may lead to think Masons are speaking of salvation rather than knowledge or truth. Nowhere in Masonry ritual is light implied to mean anything other than knowledge. Light was a symbol of knowledge long before it was a symbol of salvation. The lamp of learning appears on almost every graduation card and college diploma. Masonry uses light as a symbol of the search for truth and knowledge. It's very unlikely that any Mason would think that light represents salvation. 6. Masonry does not imply salvation may be attained by one's good works. Masonry does not teach any path to salvation. That is the duty of a church, not a fraternity. The closest Masonry comes to the issue is to point to the open Bible and tell the Mason to search for the path to eternal life. Masonry does not believe in the importance of good works, but as a matter of gratitude to God for his many great gifts and as a matter of the individual moral and social responsibility. The path to salvation is found in each Mason's house of worship, not in his lodge. 7. Various critics accuse Masonic writers of teaching the heresy of universalism. Universalism is the doctrine that all men and women are ultimately saved. Masonry does not teach universalism or any other doctrine of salvation. Again, that's the province of the church, not a fraternity. You have to look rather hard to find Masonic writers who teach universalism. Even if you could find one, it's important to remember that any Masonic author writes for himself alone, not as an official of the fraternity. Masonry simply does not have a position, official or otherwise, on salvation. Since men of all faiths are welcome in the fraternity, Masons are careful not to offend the faith of any. Possibly this in itself may seem to be a universalism to some critics. Masons call it common courtesy. Number eight. Some critics, less eager to put their own houses in order than to find fault with others, contend most lodges refuse to admit African Americans as members. Masonry today is not a whites-only organization as the hundreds of thousands of black, Native American, Hispanic, and Asian Masons can testify. Petitions for membership do not ask the race of the petitioner, and it would be considered completely wrong to do so. At the same time, it must be said that Freemasonry, like American society and churches in general, has not lived up entirely to its high ideal of brotherhood in dealing with African Americans and other minorities. This is a situation which most Freemasons, like most Americans, are trying to overcome. There is a schism in Freemasonry dating back to over 200 years to when Prince Hall Masons, who are African Americans, declared themselves independent. The schism is similar to the division of the United Methodist Church from the AME, CME, and the United Methodist Church from the AME, SME, and AME. Zion Churches, or the National Baptists from the American and Southern Baptists. In each of these three examples, the organizations are working to repair the damages of centuries of segregation. For each, complete reunification remains an elusive goal hindered by social resistance on both sides, but not by organizational ideals. In the case of Freemasonry, mutual recognition between black and white Grand Lodges has proceeded at a steady pace for nearly 10 years, while African-American members are increasingly common in formerly white lodges. For instance, at the international celebration of the 275th anniversary of the Grand Lodge of England in 1992, the most recent Masonic gathering of about the size as the Southern Baptist Convention 
There were far more blacks present than there were at the Southern Baptist Convention in Houston in 1993. Freemasonry's movement regarding racial matters affirms Masonry's genuine evolution with the rest of American society and churches toward genuine brotherhood among all races. In summary, looking over the concerns raised in the report, none are tenets and teaching as the report claims. Four of the concerns are merely misunderstandings of Masonic vocabulary by non-Masons. The complaint that some of the writers whose work Masonry studies are pre-Christian could be raised against any study of man, government, or philosophy. Almost all areas of study start with the ancient pagan Greeks. All members of the fraternity know that Masonry does not invade the area of the church to teach any doctrine of salvation, neither universalism, salvation by books, nor any other. And the objection that Masonry is some sort of whites-only club is refuted by the myriad of non-whites wearing the square and compasses. Freemasonry is simply a fraternity, an organization of men banded together to fully develop themselves ethically and morally and to benefit the community at large. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.